Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Adaptable CEO. My name is Tiffany, and we've got my co-host, Anya, here today. Hi, everyone. So today we're thrilled to welcome guests Matt and Noah Davey. Not only are they brothers, but they're also co-founders, having an impact in the digital health space with their patient-led app, MEND, designed to enhance the experience for individuals living with chronic health conditions. At the age of 23, Matt faced a cancer diagnosis and discovered the challenges of navigating health management and support services. Leveraging his brother Noah's software engineering background, the two teamed up, combining their skill sets to create something remarkable for the chronic health community. Matt and Noah, a warm welcome to the Adaptable CEO, and thank you both for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Perfect. So let's jump in. So we ask every guest who comes onto the podcast this question. We know that what consumes the mind is often reflected in how we live our life. So we are curious to know more about what is consuming or interesting you both at the moment. So what are the three things you both are thinking about the most, Matt and Noah? The things interesting me the most at the moment probably would be around the real estate market. It's something that I used to work in and I'm fascinated by the way sustainable housing looks and the way that people are having access to real estate. So that's something I'm fascinated in. I obviously love the health tech space. That's something that we work in and sort of giving people the opportunity to utilize technology to improve the way that they view their health and they can access different ways of support. And I also love the idea of creativity and finding different ways to inspire myself and inspire us in the work that we do. Um, so those would probably be the three things that um, that I'm thinking about most at the moment. Yeah, I think for me, I definitely think a lot about sort of the intersection of health and technology a lot. You know, my interests are very much in tech a lot and kind of seeing how the two come together is super interesting to me. Probably another thing kind of along that line of thinking is sort of augmented reality, especially with the Vision Pro coming from Apple recently. I find that super fascinating and like how that will impact the health space and in general, many other sort of industries and, and how we'll start to interact with the world differently. And kind of following on from that also, if mobile apps will be the future or if Vision Pro apps will be the future, that's like super interesting to me. Perfect. Thank you both so much. I find that really, really interesting. And I'm not sure if you both know, but you're actually both our first male guests on the pod. So having a bit of an insight into the male mind through that was fascinating for me because a lot of our female guests have spoken about a lot less tangible concepts that they think about. So hearing, you know, that tech was some of the things that consume your mind did actually surprise me as well, because of course, you're both founders of MEND, which is something that we're going to get into. But before that, can you tell me a little bit more about your professional backgrounds before getting into health tech? Matt, we might start with you again. So my background is in the real estate space. Like I mentioned, I worked in commercial real estate, at an organization called CBRE for about six years, um, working across marketing project development and community relation type projects. Really, really loved it, but decided to move into the startup space after I dealt with some of my own health challenges. So really, really love real estate. And it's something that I'm really fascinated by and still very interested in. But yeah, made the switch a couple of years ago. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Matt. And I think that's probably where you get your awesome people skills from. 
and Noah. Yeah, I think for me, um, I came from a software engineering background, um, originally worked at a cryptocurrency exchange here in Brisbane called SwiftX, sort of joined there very early on in their journey. And, and we sort of grew, you know, through the crypto boom in 2020 and became quite a sizable company. And then, you know, maybe around end of 2022, I think it was, um, you know, Matt and I kind of decided to go full-time on Mend um, for a while. And so kind of jumped out of that and, and started working full-time on Mend. That's fantastic. The crypto world, it fascinates me so, so much. I have an uncle who is right into it. He does crypto mining and all that sort of thing. And I am just absolutely clueless. I think I have about $200 in crypto and that's all I know. I don't even think I can log into my account. <laughs> I'll have to ask you for some help, Noah, after yeah. the podcast. <laughs> There's plenty of horror stories of people who have, yeah, lost their lost their wallet addresses or lost their passwords and have, you know, a billion Bitcoin sitting over there in a, in a, in a wallet. Maybe yeah. I do. Yeah. Just maybe I do. <laughs> now, I'll just switch to you, Matt, for a minute. So how did your life change when you were diagnosed with cancer? And how did you sort of navigate that? considering you were very much in the professional world and then having your life turned upside down, I'd imagine, at that moment? It was definitely something that I had to adjust to. I don't think anybody ever expects to be given a cancer diagnosis, um, especially, you know, in your early 20s when you're at that peak of developing your career and understanding who you are. So, trying to navigate that was was a big challenge and I guess trying to understand what my life looked like from a work perspective as well was was a really big thing that I had to try and understand so initially I was able to work part-time and sort of go back in a in a different capacity which was good um, but the reality of something like cancer is it's it's very unpredictable you don't really know you know, no day is going to look the same. It's it's like any chronic illness where you're trying to manage the reality side of things, which is sort of, you know, your mental health, your physical health and everything else, but also trying to manage, you know, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to afford to pay for day-to-day -day costs? So it, it was definitely a bit of a shock and it was definitely something that I I took a bit of time to adjust to, um, but I was lucky in the fact that I had quite a lot of support from my family and um, was able to take some time off work without it causing too much, too much of an issue. So yeah, I was I was lucky in that fact. And definitely, but there are still lasting impacts now. Your life never really returned to what it was pre-cancer. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, exactly. I think that. Even now, it's been almost six years and trying to navigate, you know, the world even now, whilst I'm not working in the corporate space and I, I've moved into startup, it, it's trying to find ways to manage all of the all of the physical symptoms that I feel, but also all of the mental health impacts as well. So, yeah, it, it's taken me a while to try and figure out my way back to to working and working in a capacity that works for me. But yeah, it, it's always something that day to day I'm I'm trying to figure out and and remind myself that it it take it takes longer than you expect, and it, and it's also something that I just have to be a bit more patient with. So that can be frustrating, but it, it's also a, a big learning curve. 
Absolutely. And I think just having that understanding that once you recover or in remission, things aren't the same. I think a lot of that insight is what you've really been able to build into mend. But Noah, seeing Matt go through all of this, how was that for you? What insights did you really gain? Yeah, honestly, I, I guess for me and probably the rest of the family, it was super, super difficult, you know, seeing anyone you love go through such an immensely painful and difficult time, you know, is going to be super massively impactful and, and depressing to anyone, really, you know, and one thing, one thing that I guess I've taken from it is that kind of just having a general appreciation for sort of every day that I live on this earth, you know, it's, it's such a punch in the face at the time, but you know, it really means that you just don't take anything for granted. And and I think it's kind of given me, I guess, maybe a gratitude that I, I don't know that I would have had without going through such a difficult time with Matt and the family. So yeah, super, super terrible. But I guess there's little silver linings here and there. Yeah, that's amazing. Like it would have been so, so difficult for both of you and so much strain on your family at the time. But when you look at it with the silver lining of it's given you a different perspective, even in the way of how you live your life, like that's just incredible. And the way you've both been able to turn, you know, your pain into purpose through MEND is just so, so inspiring. So speaking about MEND, where exactly did that idea come from and how did it all start? The idea of MEND came back in 2021 when I was at a health retreat on the Gold Coast and I'd gone back to work part-time and realised that I really couldn't work in corporate anymore and I wanted to find something that brought some meaning, I guess, to my life and to find some work that would actually have a positive impact on other people. So I spent the week at the health retreat thinking about my experience as somebody, you know, with cancer, with chronic health conditions and really breaking down what the issue was and where I was at and the support that I needed. And yeah, I I came up with the idea of giving people the opportunity to manage their health in a better way and just give people some more insight to the way that they can receive support. So yeah, spent that week developing the idea and then came back really excited and with the idea in mind that I was going to leave my job, which, you know, for a lot of people can be quite exciting. And yeah, just pitched the idea to Noah and said, I think we would work really well together with our different skill sets and kind of come together on a project that has some meaning. So that's how the idea, I guess, came to fruition and and Noah agreed to be a part of it. So yeah, it's been the last two and a half years. Fantastic. So can you explain a little bit about what MEND is and what gap that it fills? I think um, one of the things that we were really looking to to fill in terms of health apps and sort of the gaps that they had was that we noticed many of the health apps out there at the moment look like they were sort of built 20 years ago. They're super difficult to navigate, not easy to use. And I think for both me and Matt, we both kind of you know looked at those and we agreed that we think there needed to be a bit more of emphasis put into making them look and feel like an app that is out of you know today's generation, especially for us most of the people that would be using these apps or that we're kind of pitching them towards is, is younger people who are going through this because those are generally the people that are looking for tech solutions. And so whenever I, I downloaded any of these apps, I just kind of looked at them and was like, I would never in a million years use this. And so I think for us, that was definitely one of the, the gaps to, that we thought we wanted to fill. 
Yeah, I agree. I think just being able to give people an alternative way to manage their health was really important to us and just utilize the idea of technology to bring everything together. And for me, you know, going to, you know, 10 plus different specialists, being able to manage and understand your health from a consumer perspective was was really important to us. So that's that's kind of the gap we were trying to fill and just really look at the way that consumers could have control rather than giving that over to, you know, a number of different physicians and a number of number of different um, doctors or whatnot. So yeah, that's kind of where we saw the gap in the market. I think that's so fantastic because I feel a lot of people correlate chronic illness and disability with being older. And I think we're all here, you know, under 30 in our 20s. And I've found the exact same thing. I've downloaded lots and lots of these apps as well myself. And they're just very bland. They're not very user-friendly. And you can sort of tell that they're not created by people that are going through it. So I just think it's so fantastic what you guys have built. And you both describe MEND as being patient-led. Could you just explain a little bit about what that means for the audience? I think what I said before just around giving patients the control was, was what our focus was around. Um, and just building a product that kind of gives people what they need rather than what a doctor thinks that you need. And I think what you said, Tiffany, just around thinking that it's based on older people and people that sort of, you know, you would associate having a disability or a chronic health condition. We really wanted to build a product that was useful. We wanted to build a product that was, you know, consumer first and just allow people to really really feel in control of their own health. And when you're seeing multiple doctors, you probably feel a bit out of control. I know that, you know, I still have that issue today when I've spoken to one doctor, you know, in January, and then I go back six months later, I don't really remember what I've spoken to them about, or I don't remember, you know, what's the right question to ask, or what should I be following up on? And just building a product that allows us to really change that and really give people the opportunity to to just, you know, just understand where they're at and give them a little bit more understanding, I think. Definitely all of those experiences that you've described deeply resonate with me. And I think even if you look at the socials that you've got, it just feels like a community. You can see yourself represented in that. And I think that you've done it so beautifully with MEND because it does feel like patient-led. So you've both been through accelerator programs. I know that some people listening may not know really what that means, even though I've kind of been a part of them. Sometimes I don't even remember what it means. So can you tell us a little bit about the format, at least of the ones that you've been in um, and what your experience is like? The good, the bad, the ugly. In terms of accelerator programs, we did a program called Impact Boom and one called Lumina X. Impact Boom was more of an incubator in the sense that it was probably more for early stage ideas and Lumina X was more of an accelerator in that it took people that kind of had an idea, had a product to try to get them to that next level. In terms of what an accelerator is, it, it has a few components to it, but generally the format that I've seen it take is there'll be a number of weekly sessions where we'll go in and, and learn something about business, whether it be marketing, sales, pitching, various things like that, you know, and, and kind of this is maybe where some of the differences in incubators and accelerators are in terms of the topics that they talk about. 
I found the accelerator kind of focused more on sort of like his specific, like how to do your accounting and, you know, here's how to talk to an investor at this particular stage and stuff like that. Whereas an incubator maybe was more surface level with some of those things, but both of them, you know, give you access to various mentors within that field and opportunities to pitch your idea to people. And so I think we found LuminaX really, really useful for us because it was health tech specific. So, you know, all the mentors and people that we met were in the same or similar field to us. We got to pitch to sort of Ramsey Health Group and pitch to the Martyr and the people that maybe we actually need to be talking to, I guess. So we found that super, super useful. But, you know, the experience of both accelerators was super positive. And, and I think at the end of the day, the thing that we probably took the most from it was just getting to meet some other people in business doing similar or things that are close to you. And, and startups can be quite a lonely journey at times. And so I think having that connection can honestly make such such a difference at the end of the day. So that's probably the main thing that we took from it. Um, but yeah, meeting some mentors, meeting meeting some other connections really makes such a big difference at that stage of a startup. That sounds so fantastic. And as you just mentioned, Noah, so you've had, you've both had a number of mentors across your business journey. What have you found helpful in a mentor? And have you found any to be maybe more hindering than helpful? And how crucial do you believe their role is? Yeah, I think one of the most positive traits that we saw in a mentor is that, you know, they've actually tried to do or start something themselves before, you know, that sort of mutual understanding and, and empathy, it forms such a strong foundation for, you know, a relationship with you as a mentee and them as a mentor. And I think that's so important because building a business or a product can be such an absolute slog at times, you know, and, and sometimes you really need to hear some hard hitting advice and you need that from someone that you have a good, strong relationship from, you know, without that strong connection, it's just a stranger telling you that your idea sucks. Whereas, you know, if, if it's someone that you actually have a bond with or someone that's, you know, kind of coming from a place of love, that advice can really cut through and, and help you hear the things you need to make the thing work. I think in terms of mentors in general, like Noah said, it's really important to just give you a different perspective, especially in the early days you might have an idea like we did and think it's the best thing ever. And going and speaking to a room full of people and saying, you know, this is what we want to do and this is where we're at. They might say things that can be a little bit difficult to hear, but it gives you, you know, that really good perspective to think, you know, we could actually do this or this instead and it's really going to help us move forward. And I guess instead of hindering you, it's kind of just giving you that insight that you need as a founder. And we spent a lot of time speaking to lots of different people. So whether it's mentors or, you know, we established an advisory group, which gave us some really, really good feedback and just understanding, you know, the problem we were trying to solve, the people that we were going to work with and really focus on that co-design element as well so that we were building the best product possible and that we as founders were accountable for what we said we were going to do versus what we actually did. So I think mentors are really important and just building those relationships helps you get to the next stage. And they can also connect you in with some really good people in terms of sort of finding investment or just moving forward. So yeah, we've been really lucky with the people that we've worked with so far. Yeah, fantastic. I think one thing that I've learned about mentors that I'd really love your perspective on is there can be two different kinds of mentors, although there's, of course, millions of kinds of mentors, but there's like the mentor that's, you know, had just say one or two really great business successes that might not necessarily be 
kind of used to being a mentor but can take that mentorship role in you know the field that you're in and then there might be that professional mentor that's seen so many entrepreneurs take the same journey and might not necessarily have had a successful business themselves but they've seen so many businesses succeed and fail when i was in a pre-accelerator program there was a mentor that basically had been quite jarring with some of the other people in the program And one of the people in the program just got so frustrated that they just said to the mentor, have you ever even had a business yourself that succeeded? And the mentor said, well, no, I haven't, but I've seen many businesses succeed. I've seen many businesses fail. And that's the expertise that I bring. And that made me realize, actually, that's a lot of good expertise and that's a really valuable mentor. And maybe that's a more valuable mentor than a mentor that's just had their one business succeed and now is giving out a lot of advice. Do you have a mentor style that you actually prefer Or do you think that it's really valuable to have both of these kinds of mentors across your business journey? I'd say that both are valuable, like you said, Anya. But for me, until you have had your own business, I think it's really hard to give, you know, genuinely constructive advice. Because if you're somebody that, you know, is seeing people do things and seeing things succeed or fail or whatever it is from, you know, more of a theoretical viewpoint, you're not really going to understand how that works. You're not going to understand the day to day of what you have to do. You know, similar to Noah and I, we'll discuss what we're doing. You know, Noah's very clever. He's a software engineer and he knows so many more things than I know in that space. But we're able to have conversations because we're both doing things that are out of the norm and we're both starting something that we haven't got experience in and just sort of building something together and working on a project. You have so much more insight and perspective over what it actually means to run a business. And both of you would know that as well with WDEN and with the businesses that you've worked on previously. It's so important. And I think until somebody started a business, you really don't understand the intricacies of it. Everyone's valuable that you talk to, but I think for me, having a mentor that's gone through it adds so much more. That's such great insight. And I guess you can even sort of relate it to having chronic illness and or disability. There will be people that, you know, are quote unquote healthy, that can empathize and really be a great support in your life. But at the end of the day, they don't really fully understand unless they've gone through it themselves. So, yeah, I just thought that's, yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Now, we've downloaded the app, we've used it, and we are very impressed by the numerous features catered to people with chronic illness and disability especially for those of us dealing with brain fog, i.e. me, all the time, (laughs) confusion or fatigue, it is very user-friendly and straightforward. Now, given the app's high quality, we were surprised to find that it was free. Can you shed light on your decision for it to be free? And if there's any sort of monetization strategy, especially given the costs for building maintenance and the future development of the app? So we started out with the idea of building the product out and then looking at ways to commercialize sort of after we began and looking at ways to get investment sort of early days. But I think the reality when you build an impact focused product like this and a product that is really consumer focused we realized sort of, you know, 12 months in that there wasn't necessarily ways 
to commercialize it at a level that we needed for investment, but we really wanted it to be a free product. We wanted it to be accessible to people with chronic illness. Uh, you know, we marketed it towards people that, you know, cancer specific, and we knew that those people wouldn't necessarily have the funds to, you know, to pay an additional amount of money every month. So it was important to Noah and I to offer it for free and to, you know, put our work in, get it to market and really see how people used it and then kind of work on it from there. So, you know, we had lots of different ideas about ways that we could make money. And when we spoke to, you know, lots of different investors, they had ideas. But at the end of the day, from an ethical perspective, we decided that we couldn't charge for the product. And the way that we wanted to move forward was through strategic partnerships. So we work with quite a few different people that will eventually aim to rehome the app within another organization and just give somebody else the opportunity to integrate tech within their business. So that's kind of the approach we've taken. We wanted it to be free. We wanted it to be useful. And I guess as our first product as founders we were on a learning curve as well so yeah it's something that has been a big learning curve for us and it's it's something we're still kind of working on so you know we're only two and a half years into the journey but the way that we move forward is through collaboration it's through working with other people you know not-for-profits organizations that support people with cancer people that might not necessarily understand how to integrate tech but people that want to look at different ways of supporting people so that's sort of what my role is now is is finding those partnerships working with those people and yeah finding a home for mend where more people can access it so that's where we're at at the moment and yeah we'll we'll see watch this space as to what happens next yeah fantastic i really relate to the decision that you've made because i think that so often when you have a disability or a chronic illness you have so many costs and so many expenses and it's really difficult to make an income. So I think the fact that you have chosen for it to be free for people is a really commendable decision and that you're focused on strategic partnerships. So I think very well done. I understand, you know, learning curve and all of that, but I think that other people are on the learning curve of understanding how impact should be made. So I think you've made a fantastic choice. But Matt, from knowing you, I know that you identify as having a disability other people probably don't know it or see it as much. Um, and that obviously, as we've spoken about, you face ongoing health challenges. But what we're really keen to understand is the dynamic between you both as co-founders and how you balance you still having the ongoing health challenges and Noah, you being really the healthy person, for lack of a better word. How have you managed this? How has this dynamic been beneficial for you both in building MEND? I'd say that it's... It's definitely had challenges, but I'm lucky in the fact that Noah and I have always had really good communication from the very beginning. We've always, you know, explained where we're at and what we wanted to do. And Noah's been understanding when there have been, you know, big changes in my life with, you know, with managing my cancer, with managing my epilepsy or my mental health as things come up. And, you know, I might not have a very good week and might not be able to do anything just about sort of having that communication with each other and explaining, you know, I can't cope at the moment, I'm not doing very well. And just having that joint understanding, I would definitely say that we're lucky because we're brothers and Noah shares an understanding of sort of what I go through to an extent with other founder relationships that might be different because you're not, you know, seeing each other as regularly or speaking as regularly. 
but um yeah we, we've been really lucky that we've been able to just communicate um and see where we've been at as well so yeah as somebody with a disability it's it definitely has its challenges when you're running a business but yeah just keeping other people informed and letting people know how you actually feel is is really important and just you know doing everything within your means so if you have a really good week or a really good day that's the day that you have to get work done and you have to motivate yourself to do that but on the same token if you're having a really bad day um sharing that with somebody else and and taking that time to rest and you know listen to what your body's telling you yeah perfect noah do you have anything to add yeah i mean i i think i think very similar to what matt said i, I think the fact that i'm sort of matt's brother probably really helped in this regard you know like i think there's sort of like another level of maybe empathy and understanding that kind of has meant I probably maybe in a normal co-founder relationship, there's kind of this, you know, oh, we must be 50-50 on everything. Whereas I don't think I've ever really looked at it like that, um, you know, and, and maybe even the fact that kind of, you know, we both gone through this journey kind of from different perspectives. You know, I, I think the reason I chose to work on Ment with Matt wasn't, you know, it wasn't for money. It wasn't to build some crazy big business or anything. It was to build something that might help someone like Matt you know, in, in managing their health. And so it, for me, it had like a very personal mission as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think either of us were building this to become multi-trillionaire tech founders. We were just building it to, you know, try to help people in a similar situation to us. So I think because of that, it kind of meant that I never really ever looked at our co-founding relationship in a, maybe in a standard way. Whereas if I was working with someone else for a different reason, maybe I would, um, yeah, I, I think that definitely kind of always kind of came into my mind whenever anything popped up, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, fantastic. That makes a, a lot of sense to me. I think one of the things that we're wanting to establish with WDEM is this idea of business continuity support. So if one of our founders in our network gets sick, that we've got another founder that can, I guess, pick up the slack for, you know, lack of a better term, and that we will kind of support each other and have a bit of an understanding of each other's businesses. Um, so when one of us is unwell, we're all covered. Would you recommend, Matt, to other entrepreneurs with disabilities that they have a co-founder that doesn't help challenges so the business can continue? I guess it's a bit of a broad statement. I think that everybody with a disability is very different. And the way that, you know, people work is very different you want to have people that can manage a business effectively and you want to work with somebody that I guess somebody that is going to be understanding but somebody that also knows that some people with disability also have full capacity they might be able to work a full week whereas somebody that doesn't live with a disability might not be able to do that you know they might actually be a complete slacker or they might not be able to do as much work whatever it looks like um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I recommend that you have to work with somebody, you know, healthy per se, or, you know, work with somebody with a disability, whatever it looks like. I think you have to find the right co-founder dynamic in general. And if that's two people living with disability, great. If it's two healthy founders, great. But I think it's just about understanding other people's limits and sort of having that conversation at the very beginning, because co-founders in general can be complex. So yeah, I would say that it's just, yeah, understanding who you're working with and taking it from there. Definitely. I think Tiff, like not to speak for you, but I think that we've managed to work out a really good balance. Obviously both of us are sick and when we're sick, we kind of fill in each other's gaps and 
otherwise drag each other along like physically <laughs> and literally um, when we're both unwell when we're in Sydney recently we were both sick on the same day and we had a support worker with us thankfully but we were holding on to each other walking down the street struggling but we we made it through the day so yeah I think it is really about that understanding and that co-founder relationship. I was just going to say the same thing I think yeah both Anya and I can definitely relate like I told in all honesty I told Anya just before this podcast I've had five hours of very crappy sleep my brain fog is through the roof help me out today (laughs) so just in all transparency that's how that's how life works sometimes and you can't and, and like you said Matt even if both co-founders are completely healthy there's going to be days where you know someone's not feeling their best in whatever way shape form that looks and it's all about that communication and that understanding I a thousand percent agree there that's very good insight now for a successful business they often say that you have to have entrepreneurial skills technical skills and management skills but in reality no one person has all of those, nor should they. In your duo, who has and does what? I'd say that we have a pretty good balance and mix of all of those skills. And when you're a founder, you kind of have to take on lots of different roles. With me, I'm a non-technical co-founder. So Noah does everything technical. He explains everything about the website and about the app and everything like that. And I sit and nod and pretend I know what he's talking about. But when it comes to other decisions um, or sort of managing the process or, you know, building out a timeline and building out the marketing and brand, I kind of take on those things. Um, It's my background sort of doing project management, working with people in the stakeholder space, that sort of stuff. And I guess we've both taken the approach, especially in the early days of having strategy days regularly, where we set out what our goals look like, what we need to achieve and the timeline of what that looks like. So we've both been able to kind of put our skills into play and then also I guess learn things along the way as well that we both haven't done before which is really valuable and yeah Noah might want to add to that as well. I think you did a great job of summing it up definitely um, I'm definitely the tech nerd and you're the entrepreneurial nerd if you will (laughs) so yeah I think we um, we definitely complement each other very well I think it's one of those things where you definitely don't want to have a a sort of co-founding duo where all of your skills are exactly the same because then you might as well do it yourself. So at least, you know, kind of having these complementing skill sets, it definitely means that we're able to fill in each other's gaps where, where we need help. And for, even for me, not having to worry about the marketing, not having to worry about kind of any of the socials is super useful. And I'm sure Matt probably feels the same way the other way around. Um, so yeah, it's always been a super positive relationship like that. Fantastic. You're so right. Like if you both have the same skills, you might as well do it yourself. That's kind of what I think. But it sounds like you've got a brilliant balance. As I've spoken about, you know, your brothers, you have a great bond as brothers, or at least that's what it looks like from the outside. But how have you navigated that role of being business partners as well? Are there any challenges or any major advantages that we haven't really touched on? I'd say communication is the biggest thing. Like we said before, it's just about keeping each other in the loop and finding the ways of, you know, keeping in touch really transparent. So we would speak every day on WhatsApp, we'd organize calls regularly. 
um, our strategy days, whatever those would look like. And I think there's always challenges in any relationship, but I think Noah and I are lucky. We have different skill sets. We complement each other. And we also just, you know, have that patience and understanding of, of what it looks like to sort of be brothers, but also to be business partners at the same time. So I think we've definitely learned a lot and yeah, just kind of kept our communication channels open. So, yeah. Do you guys live in the same city, in the same state? We're both in Brisbane, yeah. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the things I we we both go to um you know we'll both go to dinner on a Sunday night with our family and um try to sort of split business and personal is also a tough one because you know we'll be sitting there having a chat about you know something family related and then we're like oh what's happening this week with men you know so sort of you know those lines get very blurred as well I think but I don't think we've ever really minded that just because again it's it's something that we both care so much about so it's not as if it ever really felt like we were talking about work it was more just you know, a problem that we both cared about, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's like family dinners on Sunday turn into Sunday business meetings. Yeah. (laughs) You're both so passionate about it. And I think, yeah, everything you you just said, Noah, Anya and I completely relate. We've become best friends throughout this process. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work sometimes, even when we are talking about the business because we are so passionate about it from my end anyway <laughs> yeah from my end too like it can't feel like business when you love it really it just can't and I think that's something that we all share here so our final question for you is what advice would you both give to your younger selves with all you know now about life and business Noah we might go to you first I think maybe just even with men, I think I probably would have focused on probably one key thing rather than we, we probably co- focused on three or four key things, you know, and, and I, I think we started off with those three or four key things because we thought these are the things that we must do to even be a MVP, even have something viable. But I think, um, you know, even just having the sort of, you know, only the two of us to be able to do this, I think it would have been, we would have been able to have launched quicker and, you know, sort of get into the market quicker and and release something you know worth releasing two three times quicker if we had just said hey we're just going to do medications or we're just going to do appointments or you know just focus on that one thing I think you know when I look back at sort of us building the app we just spent a lot of time trying to trying to you know make it perfect because we just cared so much about it and I think you know it's a mistake so many people make but I think I, I kind of wish I could just ring my younger self and be like no just just do the one thing just you know it's like one thing is enough and you can always add on those other things as you go. But at the end of the day, it's still, it still ended up being fine. It's just trying to make it so that we could have released it faster to the people that we're trying to help. So, yeah. I'll just butt in and, and say, no, I can imagine that no one really appreciates how long it takes to create each, probably using the wrong language here, but like each section of the app. Yeah. Oh, to to- totally. Yeah. The calendar, yeah. like yeah, it, it went through. Yeah, we, we had so many iterations of how it looks, and you know, yeah, trying to trying to build anything is 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 definitely not a quick process. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a long one, a lot of late nights. I can imagine. And Matt, what advice would you give your younger self? I would definitely give myself the advice to be more patient, find the right people to surround myself with. 
and look after my mental health because I think that you spend a lot of time when you're younger thinking that everything's going to be very linear and happen in a certain way. And the reality is, especially when you're a perfectionist or you want everything to go, you know, the right way, um, the reality is that life is always interrupting you and throwing us curveballs, which, you know, everybody knows, whether it be health, whether it be, you know, changes in jobs or changes in relationships, but just being patient and knowing that things will work out and yeah, just always looking after yourself, always prioritizing, you know, good mental health and good people around you that can support you in in the not so good times. So yeah, that would be the three pieces of advice I'd give myself. Fantastic. Such good advice and such a breadth of advice. So thank you so, so much, Matt and Noah, for coming on The Adaptable CEO. It has been so fantastic having you both. And I've learned so, so much, and especially in the health tech space, which I'm still very unfamiliar with. I'm definitely not a technical person, as you both are very well aware. Thank you so much, Noah and Matt. It was a pleasure having you guys on. Where can we find you both and how can people download the app? You can find us both on LinkedIn or you can visit us at mendhealth.co or on socials at mendhealth app across Instagram and Facebook. Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Have an amazing day. Bye. Bye.